What's up, Lamb Fam? Welcome back to the Life After Miscarriage podcast, where we unapologetically chat the ins and outs of what life is actually like after miscarriage. I'm your host, Shelly Metling, and with four angel babies myself and one rainbow baby here on earth, I have created a platform for you guys to share your stories. So sit back, relax, get ready to relate, laugh, and cry as we get real on what life is actually like after miscarriage in the 21st century. Hello, everyone. We have Ashley Lorton on the episode today. Ashley, I'm so excited to get to know more about you and your story. So with that being said, I'm just going to toss it to you and start wherever you'd like. Okay, great. Um, Like you said, I feel like most people kind of start with their relationships. So my husband and I actually met in middle school. Um, I had the biggest crush on him all through middle and high school. Uh, we didn't really get in touch too much romantically until after high school, um, just kind of through Facebook and stuff. Um, but from the ages of 19 to the time that we got engaged, I had had three miscarriages, two of those being while I was on birth control, actually. And I... I mean, because I was on on birth control, I guess I didn't feel as emotionally connected to those pregnancies as you would normally be if you were like ready for that stage in your life. And I just wasn't. And um, I didn't really think much of it in the sense of having fertility problems when you're that young and you're on birth control and you're obviously preventing pregnancy. That's really the last thing on earth I was thinking about was, oh, is it even possible for me to have babies? Because I was preventing it from happening. So I didn't really feel as emotionally connected to those pregnancies. So it didn't really affect me as much until my husband and I started to try to get pregnant and actually fully try. And that kind of like brought about this whole other sense of like, oh, there's like a whole other side to this. It doesn't just happen accidentally. Like people actually have to try to make it happen. You know, like it doesn't just like how it seemed. They make it sound like when you take sex ed and things like that, it just happens. Yeah. No, there's only five days. Who knew? (laughs) Right. It's literally it's 20 percent like like natural conception is like 10 to 20 percent chances of even working. And they don't tell you that. They want to like kind of scare you, I think, into like thinking it can just happen and it can, but you don't think about it like that until you actually have to fully try to make it work. So I, he's very traditional in the sense that he did not want to have babies until we were married, but we had just been together for so long and I was pretty adamant for whatever reason in my brain, I thought I'd be done having babies by 30. And I'm 30 now. I just turned 30. And I was like, I'm going to be done having babies by 30. I'm not having another kid after 30. However many it takes, I'm going to be done. And so I was like, well, you know, I'm getting close to 30. So let's just try from the time that we get engaged. So we really started trying like July of 2016. We got married in October 2016. And we tried for like 16 months and it just wasn't working for us for whatever reason. And I really tried to do the actual trying where you take your temperature and you take over the counter ovulation prediction kits and all of those things. And we were really trying, trying. And those things honestly just put more stress on me. So like every period I got after 
each month of trying, it was just more stress. So I said, okay, let's stop like trying like that. (laughs) And I know my cycle well enough to know like when we need to be like very active and things like that. So we really calmed down, but we really tried for about 16 months and it just wasn't happening for us. And so I went to obviously just a regular OB and they sent me to a fertility clinic. They were like, we just think it's best. You've had three prior. Let's just get you in somewhere just to get you tested and that kind of stuff. So we did that and it actually went really, really well. They, they basically diagnosed me with unexplained infertility, whatever that's supposed to mean. That's not (laughs) helpful at all. Like it would be nice if there was an explanation though. Yeah. And there's just not like his numbers are great. My numbers are great. I've had all the horrible tests run and uh, multiple times. Everything is fine. Just for whatever reason, we're just not able to like make it happen. So they decided that they just didn't think that we had any reason to go on to IVF right away. So they were like, let's try a few rounds of IUI first. So we tried that. I went through the medications. We did the IUI and it worked the first time, which is actually rare too. Like it's really not that much higher of a percentage than just having natural conception. So um, we actually just kind of got really lucky and um I, because I had had early miscarriages before, I would say that I was like a little nervous, but I really truly felt really confident in that pregnancy. Like I knew from the second that IUI happened that I was pregnant. I was like, this worked. I know it did. Like it was just automatic. I just knew within my gut that it was going to work out and it did. We got confirmation. We went back to the fertility clinic, saw the heartbeat, all that stuff. We were able to do just the 10 week blood test for um, gender and we found out we were having a girl and we named her Colette and we had actually a really, I had a pretty great, I was really confident in my pregnancy. I didn't have a good pregnancy. I had hyperemesis through the whole thing. It was, I was really sick just the entire time, but ultimately I felt really confident. I knew that my baby was growing really well and I just felt really strong Um, I felt like a sacred vessel. Like I really was like really embracing being pregnant despite being insanely sick. Um, so I'm trying to, I should have wrote down like the dates because it probably would be easier, but around 35 weeks, I noticed I felt a dip kind of in her movements and I felt what I thought were contractions and, um, I, I kept hearing, you'll know when there are contractions, like you'll know the difference between Braxton Hicks and regular when you felt both, like you truly will know which one's which. And I, I felt contractions and I decided with this pregnancy that I wasn't going to do um, regular OB. I was going to go to a midwife clinic, which I did. And so they don't actually let you give birth there until you're 36 weeks. So I went in at about 35 and um, they were just like, we'd rather you just go on bed rest. Let's just try to get you on bed rest, get you to 36 weeks, and then you can deliver here. And, um, and that's, that's kind of just their standard protocol just in general. So that's, that's what we did. And I went back home, rested. And then about two days later is when I really noticed that I wasn't feeling her anymore. And I kind of chalked it up to, well, I'm on bed rest, right? Like I'm chill. So maybe the baby's chill. Like I won't think too much of it. 
and then a few more hours went on and then a few more hours and I really just noticed that just it wasn't she wasn't there I knew I I knew I think I knew it from that point and then we I called the midwives they had me come in I lay down and she put the Doppler on my stomach and it was just it was that empty swishing sound that you're not supposed to hear but you, you hear it instead of like the beating and um my husband was sitting right across from me and his face is white I mean he looks like a ghost and we both knew at that point what had happened um we didn't have to say anything I mean I looked over at the midwife and she's still just like trying to find like she's like no 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 we'll find her and I was like I I don't think that that's gonna happen and so um, she escorted us over to the hospital, which was right across the street, and they admitted us into the actual birth center. And from there, it really was just kind of like normal. It really like it was as normal as could be. It was as if she was still alive. We were going through the process. They did ask me if I wanted a, a C-section. They thought maybe it'd be a little easier on me to not have to birth her. Um, especially physically having to do all the induction stuff. They just thought maybe it would just be easier if I just did a C-section instead. I went to the midwife clinic for this pregnancy with the intention of having unmedicated labor. So I said no. And I said, I would like to just birth her and just have, let her be ready when she's ready. Um, And so that's what we did. Um, My blood pressure was through the roof. I was in stroke range. And so I had to be admitted for at least five days. So they were like, we can take all the time you need to like get her out. And so they started giving me just a bunch of labor inducing medications, a lot of stuff to help me get my blood pressure down. She went from a horizontal position to a vertical, um, but she was feet first and I wasn't dilating very well. So then they upped up the meds. And I basically went from not being dilated at all to being at a 10 within half hour. And I actually was going through back labor because of the way that she was positioned. So um, I had a lot of um, just really bad pain. And so I actually asked for epidural. I was like, finally, I was like, can you just give me medication, please? I don't want to do this anymore. Because I had no idea I wasn't dilated at that point. So I had no idea how much longer I was going to have to go through this. And um, the guy came up and put the catheter in. And before he could get the medication in, he, I, she, she started coming. Like I, my body was like pushing her out, like out of my control completely. Um, so I actually didn't get any medication at all. So I actually oh got the birth I wanted, which is nice. I yeah, yeah. The birth I wanted, but uh, it was very painful. Um, I know. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I, I birthed her feet first, natural. It was probably, it was physically the most incredible feeling I've ever felt, to be honest. Like, it didn't hurt for me. It was very emotionally relieving. It was physically relieving. I had been so sick during my pregnancy, and it just felt like just like a huge relief. Mm-hmm. Um, and then afterwards, again, they really just treated it like any other normal birth like I got to go skin to skin with her they did um foot handprints they took a lock of her hair for us like they dressed her and then for the remaining time that we were there she was actually on a block of ice like a a plugged in block of ice and she didn't leave our side the entire time 
Um, we were actually the last ones to touch her, to hold her. We were the ones that kind of sent her off to the funeral home. Apparently the nurses are usually the ones that do that. And I was like, no, I'd rather be the one that sends her off. Like I want to be the one that like gets her prepared for that. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's, um, I went from going to with having very early miscarriages to having a full-term labor pretty much and birthing a, a baby, but I don't have her. And um, it just, it changes your whole perspective on miscarriage in general. Like my early, I think about my earlier ones now, like when I wasn't emotionally connected to them where I'm like, well, looking back now, I, I wish I was in a sense. Like, I wish I did have that kind of like connection with them because I feel so close to Colette, my daughter that like, I, I almost wish that I had like a piece of those earlier ones in me a little too, just because I feel like I'd probably feel a lot more compassionate about it in that way. I probably would have seen Colette in a different way, that whole experience probably differently if I would have, um, been more emotionally connected to them but uh yeah it was it, I have two very different experiences yeah with it. that's and really interesting very weird yeah it is very weird it's crazy so what was it like to like give birth and then like because did you guys like literally walk out of the hospital without her yes then what so like what is that you, like the hospital gives you a box which is full of her like the last outfit she wore her handprints her footprints her hair and it's like a nice like box but as you're walking out with it you almost feel like people know like you're leaving with a box like people don't leave from hospitals with boxes typically like that's not a normal occurrence mm -hmm. and if it is it's typically not good Mm -hmm. You're not typically walking out with a box in a hospital for a good reason. And it was just a box full of stuff. And I'm wearing a, like, I'm obviously wearing a diaper, like an after labor. And like, I went through the whole process. I just don't yeah. want to put my baby out, yeah. carrying out a box full of her stuff. It's Being very, very weird. I it's just, very weird. Obviously, I haven't been through that, but I feel like, it would be a very empty type it's of a feeling. So odd. Yes. Especially because like the, the, the car's ready for her. Right. Yeah. Like, you have a car seat in there. Like you're ready to take a baby home. The nursery's done. Like you're, you're ready. Yeah. And you're just walking out with just like, like my body's empty, which yeah. it hadn't felt empty in nine months. Obviously I'd carry her all that time. So my body's empty. Our arms are empty. And we're obviously emotionally just depleted at that point. That it's just like, it's just, it is, it's just empty. That's a great word for it. It's just a great description. You just kind of feel just empty, like a, like a water balloon <laughs> deflated. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. It feels totally. like that. Yeah. That's, that's gotta be like, just so intense. Oh my gosh. It gives me chills to even think about it. Like, so what was the like funeral process like? some you know yeah so we actually were offered to do a funeral we decided not to okay it was so young we had just done her baby shower so I kind of felt in that way that was a celebration of life for her mm -hmm. um we had so many people there that it got, just kind of felt good enough at the time for us uh so what we did though is uh when 
when your baby passes at the hospital, either stillborn or otherwise. Uh, there's a bunch of organizations that a lot of hospitals work with, and we actually were able to be hooked up to the Tears Foundation, which is amazing, and Artful Ashes. And Artful Ashes is a Seattle-based company, but they do nationwide work where you can send in um, your loved one's remains and they do glass blown memorials. So an orb or a star or whatever kind of shape you want. And then they're actually like integrated into these glass blown pieces. So we actually did that with a portion of her ashes. We were able to cremate her and then go to Artful Ashes and watch her being put into this we got to watch her being glass blown. It was really amazing. And she's displayed in her nursery. So we've had people come by and look at her and we have pictures of her up that we were able to take before we left. And um, so that's kind of, we kind of just have a more memorial here for her. Mm-hmm. Um, but we didn't, we didn't do a funeral again, just because it was just so close to when we did the baby shower and we were, I didn't want to have to host something else at that point. Like I was all done. Like I, I just didn't, I didn't want to like do any sort of celebration, you know? And for me, a funeral is a celebration of life and I just wasn't there to mm-hmm. be able to do that. So. So when, what day did you give birth to her? September 10th, 2018. Okay. okay. So Which where are you guys at? My baby sister's birthday. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh her goodness. 17th birthday. I know. I was like, Oh gosh. Like, cause she was, and she was born at like 12, 13 in the morning. So it was like, just oh. Her birthday. <laughs> oh goodness. A date to yeah. remember. <laughs> I know. I just, I just remember like with my miscarriages, like the dates, dates are a big deal. But yeah. Yeah. They stick to you. Yeah. They really do. And not For in sure. the best way all the no. time either. Um, so where are you guys at right now? So we actually, we waited about six months. The doctors, my, my OB suggested I wait a year to try to get pregnant again, but I was not emotionally for me, healing wise, that was not going to be, that wasn't going to work for me. Um, trying to have another baby was something like the second we left the hospital, I was like, we're, we're going to do this as many times as we have to do it. Like, mm-hmm as terrible as it is, even if this is the outcome every time, like I'm not going to give up on, on having a baby. Yeah. So, um, so we waited about six months and then went back to the same fertility clinic and they said, okay, well the IUI worked for you the first time. So let's do that again. And they basically put me through the same exact steps including even the terrible, some of the terrible testing, because sometimes they're not just diagnostic. Sometimes they can be used as a form of treatment. So we did that three times and we did not, we weren't successful. So we now are just taking a break for a while, like just kind of casually maybe trying to like naturally get pregnant again, but we definitely need like a year for Mm -hmm. sure. I think now after all the medications and the trying with the fertility treatments, I just think it's so much, it would be better for us to just chill and just take a break and maybe explore other options. Adoption is always an option. And we've considered the idea of if I can't carry a baby to turn baby surrogacy is a better way to do it. And maybe we do IVF, but then do surrogacy. So that way I don't have to worry about it so much. And so we're just kind of weighing our options now, but mm-hmm. 
we have no like plans moving forward to continue to try to do any sort of treatments or anything. We just got done with them last month and I definitely just want a break for a little while. Did you get any answers on like what happened with Colette? I am autoimmune. So they're kind of chalking it up to that. Just, it could have just been a complication of my, in my body, um, inflammation of some kind or whatever. She was on the smaller end when she was born. So they're thinking maybe there was just some sort of, she wasn't getting enough nutrients or something like that is kind of what they're, they're thinking. Her birth certificate does say hypertension because when I was admitted into the hospital, my blood pressure was so high. Um, so they, they just kind of assume it's autoimmune, um, hypertension, just something just disconnect, you know, it's just a disconnect in my body and it just didn't work. And mm-hmm. there isn't really any answers. We didn't um, have her tested. We just had just the placenta. So we only have a fraction of the answers, but mm-hmm. we didn't want to put her body through that at all. She was so yeah. small. Like, I, I was can, like, no, I can okay. understand that. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, it wasn't necessary. Yeah, but that, gosh, that, you know, pregnancy after loss is a very anxious feeling. And I can only imagine that, like, after making it to 35 weeks, like, when is that anxiety going to dissipate in a pregnancy? You know what I mean? Exactly. (laughs) Like, when when can I take a sigh of relief? Yeah. Really, never. Like, once you hear her cry, really, is probably Mm -hmm. when that stops. Yeah. Well, I just want to thank you so much for jumping on and sharing your story and helping other people feel less alone, especially because your story is like a little bit more unique, you know, like, yeah, it's not often that you make it that far in a pregnancy and lose your baby. Um, So thank you for being brave enough to share that story. Vulnerability really is a superpower. So we all appreciate it. And if you had one piece of advice for somebody in a similar situation, what would it be? Give yourself grace. Just allow yourself to grieve however you need to, no matter what that means. If you need to disconnect, if you need to jump into things, if you need to um, scream at people, do whatever you have to do, seriously. And the people that really love you will understand and will support you. And it, nothing else really matters, but your own mm-hmm. emotional health, truly. So do whatever you have to do. Yeah. How many opinions did you get when? So many. Oh my gosh. When you decided to start trying again. Oh my gosh. You're it's way too soon. I don't know what you're doing. Like how you haven't grieved properly. Like calm down. You don't know <laughs> Yeah, I would say just do whatever feels comfortable for you. And that's probably yeah. the right decision. Yes, I love that. Good advice. And then if somebody wants to reach out and connect with you, how could they do so? Um, Instagram, I'm assuming you'll yes. do something with yep. that. Uh, it's oh shoot, it's Ashley. It does look like that. tits in the middle. <laughs> I, I do understand that it doesn't look like that. I've been told several times. Um, uh, but it's not. Uh, so that's the I will link that in the description of this episode. Thank you. Of course. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you share it with a friend who could find it useful or share it on your Instagram stories. Tag myself, tag my guest so that we can personally thank you. This is a lamb fam, you guys. We're not in this alone. We're creating this ripple effect together. 